You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Well, this morning we've got a treat. We're continuing our series on living grateful. And I am very grateful for uh, the person who's going to come and share with us this morning. Uh, we've got a wonderful teaching team that uh, is comprised of our staff, but also a number of people from our congregation. And this morning, Robin Trafford's going to be coming to share with us as we continue talking about living grateful. Uh, Robin and Derek and Abigail have been part of our church family for over 11 years now. Uh, they are a wonderful, wonderful family. Uh, Robin serves in a variety of capacities here, including our finance team. She she works with our kids ministry, our worship team, our sound, uh, and uh, just so appreciate her willingness to come and share. Uh, she's also served as a hospital chaplain, and that's been just a, a powerful ministry area for her through the years. And this morning, she's going to come and share with us specifically about, about living grateful, even during some very difficult times. So would you please join me in welcoming Robin Trafford. Good morning. Uh, I just want to start off by saying thank you to Reese and the team for entrusting me um, with this because I don't take it lightly. It's such a privilege to be here and to share with you. Um, And I'm humbled to be able to do it. Um, I've got my tissues because we're talking about grief. So it just might happen. There's your your first warning. Um, So this morning we're going to, I titled my message, When Grief Meets Gratitude. A couple of weeks ago, um, Eric Dean, who was also, he's a hospital chaplain in the military, he spoke a couple weeks ago and he shared a story about how he and his wife had went for an ultrasound when they were pregnant and they didn't see a baby. And so they prayed and they went back and there was a baby and now they have this amazing son. And what struck me was, what happens when you do all that and you go back and there's still no baby. God, where are you at in that? So this morning, um, I wanna start this off with just, first, just kind of a warning label. If you are in the first year to two years of acute grief, your responsibility is just to be. Your responsibility is not to do, is not to fix something, you just get to be. So whatever is said this morning, I just want to encourage you that your responsibility is to be true to whatever emotion, feeling comes up and how you experience a God in the middle of this. But it can be a very intense time and to think that you should have to be a certain way or do something a certain way is not being true to the process. So you kind of just get a pass today in what I'm saying. Just tuck it away and when it's applicable, when that time comes, just allow the word of God to spring up in your heart, okay? So what is, I'm gonna talk a minute about what's grief and then we're gonna pray. So what is grief? The Mayo Clinic says that grief is a strong, sometimes overwhelming emotion for people, regardless of whether their sadness can stem from the loss of a loved one, a terminal diagnosis, they are someone they know have received. You might find yourselves feeling numb, removed from daily life, unable to carry on with regular duties while saddled with the sense of loss. Grief is the natural reaction to loss. And I will tell you as somewhat of a person that kind of can want to avoid the pain, if you don't stay true to grief, grief will find you one way or another. (laughs) Some examples of loss could include, as I said, death of a loved one. It could be ending of an important relationship or divorce. It could be losing a job, 
loss through theft, loss of independence through a disability. It could be the innocence taken from a child too early. It could be the loss of a dream. Grief comes in so many different forms, not just in the loss of a person. And sometimes in our society, we can be really quick to just want to push through and not be true to grief. So first thing is to be able to have gratitude, we first got to acknowledge we have grief. That's got to be the step one. So let's just open this up and invite Jesus to be with us today. God, you have been so faithful. I stand here today and can preach today from this because of the goodness of who you are in my life. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that your perfect love would come this morning from the Father's heart for every person here, that as they hear these words, that shame would not be the first loudest voice, but that your voice would be louder. I thank you that you love us and you accept us and you are on this journey with us. We love you and we continue to say, come Lord Jesus, amen. So what does God say about grief? Matthew 5, 4 says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Psalms 34, 18 says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, and this is the message version. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So we're seeing a pattern here. We're going to have grief. He wrote this before any of us were born. These words were in the beginning, and they are still so, so alive and applicable today. He's basically saying, I know this is going to happen, and I've got a solution, and I'm going to be with you. So it's not biblical to think that life is not going to be hard and that we're not going to experience loss. It's not reality. He's actually kind of guaranteeing this because he already had to have a plan. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's on the screen, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. We've heard this a lot of times where for everything there is a season. You know, there's going to be, um, in verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh. All of these things through Ecclesiastes, you can go to the next slide, all of these things are a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace, a time to keep and a time to cast away. All of these things, he's saying there are seasons. There are seasons. But what do we do if the season of grief seems to go really long? It can happen where sometimes we can get stuck in grief. One of the things I use to kind of tell 
if I'm stuck somewhere is how I look back at it. How I look back at it. Um, I started experiencing acute grief at the age of 10 when my 18-year-old cousin died in a car accident. And then at 14, his brother died to suicide. And then at 16, my mom's best friend died in a car accident. That was kind of my, at a very young age, we had very tragic death happen. And I watched how my parents took this journey. And um, they knew that God was good. They were such a model for me that there is life and that there is death, but that God can be in the middle of it. So God's told us that there's going to be a time for grief, okay? We know that that's gonna happen. So what happens, what is gratitude? The quality of being thankful is what the Oxford Dictionary says. Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. If you had quoted that to me in the first year after Derek and I lost our son, I'd have punched you in the face. <laughs> that was not the time for me to hear that. I would have just been like, or I would have mentally went, you don't know, and just walked away. You don't know, and I'm glad you don't know. But you probably will one day, unfortunately, because it's, it's, it's not if, it's when that we are gonna experience this. There was a Berkeley study done on gratitude, and they took three sets of college students, all at the same age, all at this kind of same stage, and all of them were struggling with mental health. They did one group, they had them, and they were all signed up to go see the school counselor. So one group, they um, had them just go see the counselor, the, just like they normally would. The other group they had, and they told them they wanted to focus on all the bad things that had happened to them. They wanted them to write about the bad things, to just kind of live in that, what all what had happened to them. And the other group, now mind you, this is a study, okay? <laughs> the other group, they said, working with the counselor, we want you to write letters of gratitude to the people that you feel have wronged you. So they did it. And what they found was the group that only focused on the pain didn't get any better, got worse. The group that just saw the counselor kind of just didn't do the letter project at all got a little bit better. The group that focused on writing letters of gratitude they saw remarkable growth in their healing process. What we have found scientifically is that gratitude actually changes the brain. And it's not a one-time gratitude. That's what they found. They checked in with them. After the first letter, they didn't see a whole lot of change. After the second session, after the third session, after the fourth session, it was a process of living out gratitude for them. And in their healing, their brain began to heal faster. So I, I put this to the test for me. When I heard that I was gonna be speaking on gratitude, the first place I thought is, where do I have the most difficulty being grateful? And I'm just gonna confess this right now, it's in the car when I drive. 
I have one rule, I won't honk at people with a handicap tag. But other than that, it's free game, okay? <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to see how this works. I do not put a vineyard magnet on my car for a reason, okay? <laughs> so I decided I'm gonna test this out. I'm gonna test it out and see what happens. So I would get in my car and I would go, God, I just wanna thank you for my car. I thank you that I have the ability to go where I want to go when I want to go. I thank you that I have enough money to put gas in my car to get there today. And then when something would happen and my blood pressure would spike and I want to delay on the horn, I would go, God, I thank you for that driver today. I think I started incorporating gratitude over and over. Am I 100% there? No, there's still work to do. But I noticed a difference. I noticed a difference in my response and my reaction versus reacting versus responding. Gratitude changes us. It changes how we view things. It changes our perspective. So let's say, what does the Bible say about gratitude? So in Lamentations 3, 19 through 26, I wanna exegete a little bit of this for you. In chapters one and two, um, Jeremiah the prophet, he's, he was writing mainly as the voice of Jerusalem personified in chapter one and two. But then in chapter three, he's writing as an individual in suffering. Um, for the sake of time, I did not list the whole chapter, but I highly recommend go back and read it. Go back and read it. He doesn't hold back. He is letting it all out. He is being as real as you can be. And he is just talking about the suffering. And so in Lamentations 3.19, he starts with, this is kind of where he's starting to wind down talking about the suffering. And he says, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. It's important to remember that we have suffered. Gratitude doesn't mean that we forget where we've come from. Gratitude does not mean that we forget the pain. And what gratitude also doesn't mean is that you have to like the fact that you suffered. I don't like, nor am I ever gonna like, that people that I have loved are not here. Or that dreams that I desired to see didn't work out the way I thought they would. I don't have to like it. But I can tell you what gratitude has done for me is I can look at it and I can see, God, you were there and you were there and you were there and you were there. You did not withhold from me. I just didn't see what you saw. So he's going in, wormwood is like a plant. I had to look it up. And gall is like bitterness. So he's like coming in saying, I'm gonna remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continue continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. You know you've experienced healing when you can remember and be humble. When you remember and a sense of arrogance and justification and pride, I shouldn't have had to experience that anger. Unforgiveness comes out. You just haven't healed fully yet. And that's okay too. We're in this for the process, guys. This isn't some snap of the fingers. This is the journey. And God's not intimidated by our journey at all. But he's coming in, he's saying, so I've had this, this suffering, but my soul is remembering it, but I am bowed down humbly within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. There it is. There it is. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. 
his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in God, in him. He's quoting Psalms 119 in that. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that, no one, that one should wait patiently for the salvation of the Lord. He is speaking from that which he knows. You cannot say that if you have not been there. If you have never gone through such a deep loss and been on the other side to heal and say, but I know the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I don't know what's going on here, but I know you will show up in the midst of this. He ha- that's something deep, deep inside of us that God gives us if we allow him to. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and this is another one I say, don't quote this to people just outright, okay? Don't, 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 okay? Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He does not say, Paul does not say here, give thanks for all circumstances. He doesn't say for there, he says in. When you're in the middle of it, you can still say, but I know, that you, I know that you're with me, God. Your character says this, this is saying this. I don't know how this lines up and I don't really like it, but this is who you are. So I'm gonna declare who you are. I'm going to choose to know that this is your character in the middle of this, even if I don't understand this. Again, if someone would have quoted that to me, especially in the first year, it just wouldn't have been good. So be careful how we use those. Um, Charles Spurgeon says, and I love this, when joy and prayer are married, their firstborn child is gratitude. So what does this look like to practice gratitude and grief? What are some just tangible ways that we can do this? Um, Reese talked last week about gratitude and he spoke about it's a choice. And I wanna reiterate that. It's a choice, it's a choice. And guess what? God's not intimidated by our choices. He's not standing back going, really? Really, okay, he's not. I, from my experience, from practicing this first step, have experienced that he has just been with me. He has just been with me. It had to change for me though, because I went from, well, where were you here and why did this happen? And where were you here and why did this happen? And how can you promise that and then this happens? What are you just, a lot of Jeremiah there. You're just gonna leave me out here to die? You're gonna let my enemies defeat me? What, What kind of sick God are you? Being transparent and vulnerable here. That's where I had to start out with. And then what happened was this beautiful thing called forgiveness. Forgiveness may be forgiving yourself. Man, we're our worst. We somehow think that we should learn when we haven't been through the circumstance before. (laughs) Um, Forgiving somebody else. And here's a biggie, forgiving God. 
Now, why would God need our forgiveness? He doesn't. God does not need our forgiveness. We need to acknowledge that we have placed God in the place of a broken human place instead of the wonder of who he is. And sometimes we need to take people or situations off the throne and put God on the throne. And what that takes is the vulnerability to go to that place of, why weren't you here? I'm mad at you, God. Why did you let this happen? When I was going through my chaplaincy training, I was working um, with a therapist and he had me write a letter to God of anger. So I wrote the letter and then I ran as fast as I could to his office because I was worried that I was gonna get struck down. (laughs) And I was like, I'm ready, are you ready? I'm ready, I'm ready, let's do this. And he goes, let's wait till next Tuesday. And I'm like, oh, I don't wanna wait. I I didn't at that point feel safe to express my anger to God. I didn't, I didn't feel like, I didn't associate him with safety in those areas. So I sat down and I read the letter and it was like, why, why did you let this happen? And where were you here? And why would you promise me a son and take him? Who are you? And then all of a sudden, like a movie reel happened. And I experienced God in all those circumstances. When I felt helpless, he was weeping with me. When I felt lost, he had his arms wrapped around me and he's like, you're gonna be okay. I hate that this happened to you, but I am with you. All of a sudden, everything shifted as I could acknowledge that I was angry. Everything shifted because all of a sudden, I, was th- I realized he'd been there all along. I just didn't see him that way because I saw him just through humanness. He was just there and he was kind. And then all of a sudden something changed in me, deeply, 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 something changed in me and gratitude happened at a deep, deep level where I not only can, um, I gotta find one. I not only can be thankful but I have a readiness to show appreciation and return that kindness. Because I know when life doesn't go the way I think it's gonna go and I have grief, I know now that he's a safe place. That I can go, God, I'm gonna give all of this back to you because I know that I can trust you. And you aren't expecting me to like it. You aren't expecting me to understand this. And you are really good with all my mess, my bad words, everything I've thrown at you. You can handle it. You are not intimidated by my journey. And I wanna tell you something today. And I I wanna say this in pastoral authority. God is not intimidated by where you are in your process. And if you need to get messy in order to get real, he can handle it. He, it is a lie from the pit of hell that we have to put on some facade to come to the Father. Like we have to get it together. Guess what? He knew in the very beginning. In the beginning was the word. The word was Jesus. He provided the solution for us because he knew it was gonna get messy. He knew we were gonna be disappointed in people. He knew that we were going to go, well, this didn't go the way I thought. He knew that the world was gonna fall and need a savior. And that right there is the redemption. That right there is my hope that one day 
like it's all going to make sense, and I am going to bow down like I do now, and I will continue to do and say, worthy, worthy. (laughs) Laying down in humility because he is that good. I want to ask you a question. How are you looking back? If you are looking back at things and you are not experiencing a sense of peace, a sense of knowing, um, a sense of being able to say, God, I saw you here. If you are looking back and the wound is still open and you're not seeing the scars, there's work to do. And grief does not mean that I still don't have moments where I sit down and just have a good cry. That does not mean, having that emotion, that sadness, that sorrow does not mean that we are not healed or healing. You can have that the rest of your life because grief is the loss, the absence. What I'm talking about is when it's turned into kind of like a longing, a longing, like, like a looking back and going, life shouldn't be this way. And I'm mad. And I desperately, achingly want that to not be that way. See, I don't look back at that anymore. I look back and say, do I wish that had happened? No. But man, God, you have turned my ashes to beauty. You have shown up in the middle of the pain and you have healed and restored and I love a lot more and I judge a lot less. I know what it's like to feel crazy. I know what it's like to wonder, to want to, at one point I just wanted to run away. I literally went to a friend and said, well, Derek's just like not even getting this. You grieve different, by the way. <laughs> Nobody grieves the same. And she, and I just remember just being like, I just want to, maybe I just need to get away by myself. And she was like, just lean into him. You're married, just lean in. Best advice, because he was able to cover me and be with me in that. But it's okay to feel like you don't kind of want to do it anymore in that acute stage of it. But I'm talking about if we're several years out from something, maybe it's infertility, maybe it's childhood pain, things like that, the deep, deep. If we're ways out from that and you are still looking back and feeling that deep, deep thing, God wants to do a work in your heart. He wants to meet you where you're at. You don't have to suffer in silence. You don't have to. If you find yourself just reacting, 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 that's, pay attention. Pay attention. When we react, there's something that God wants to heal with his love in our heart. Pay attention to that stuff. Some things that I have found personally is um, counseling. Working with a therapist has been very helpful And we offer something at the church that is so wonderful. We offer spiritual direction. And this, I kind of like to say it's the best of both. You sit and you experience and you listen to the Holy Spirit and to God with someone that's trained to not fix it for you, to allow you to be. But then they might ask some open-ended questions and some guiding in the midst of that. Um, At this time, I'd like to bring up our worship team. You guys can start getting ready. And I'd just like right now for Angela Otero to stand up. She is ahead of our spiritual directors right here. Angela's right here. If as I'm going, yes, we are so grateful. So grateful. If as I'm speaking, you're like, hmm, 
I might have some things I need to move into, some spaces I need to move into this. And I encourage you to reach out to Angela and she can connect you with a trained spiritual director that is going to be um, helpful to journey this with you. Listen, we're all messy. We don't have it together and we're not gonna do it right. But God is with us on this journey to be able to look back, like he said, and to be able to say, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I can say that now with a deep wholeness and a peace because I had to move into the helplessness. I had to move into the pain. I had to acknowledge the suckiness of the grief, just the suck of it. All right? Um, Derek and I just got back from the Grand Canyon and we had no cell phone service. And it was a very, very, very spiritual experience for me. Like I haven't even posted pictures because it was so holy and sovereign to me. And I had heard this song. It's, I'm just gonna be real with you. It's not like the best audio, but just sit with it, okay? I had heard this before we went and we're on this hike and I feel this song bursting out of my chest. It was just bursting out of me. And it's called a flow song. And I play it every morning before my devotional. And sometimes I play it at the end of my devotional. And I'm gonna just say, I don't have one every single morning, okay? I try, okay? <laughs> I wanna give you freedom to experience God amongst your day. Experience him. I experienced God so deeply in that Grand Canyon that I knew that I need to get outside more because that's how he and I are gonna commune on a deep level together, okay? So as I was experiencing this, this song was just beating in my chest. And I, I wanna ask you this morning to close your eyes. And I wanna ask you to listen to this as she sings this flow song over you. And what I want you to know is that God trusts you with you and he trusts you with grief and he has equipped you able to do the work. Let it all flow in and now you're strong enough to feel it all and keep your heart alive. Stay soft to this, don't numb it out. Let yourself breathe in and out. You're strong enough to feel it all and keep your heart alive. I said, don't numb to this, don't numb it out. Let yourself breathe in and out. You're strong enough to feel it all and it'll keep your heart alive. I said, don't numb to this, don't block it out. Let it all flow in and out. You're strong enough to feel it all and it'll keep your heart alive. God, help us to not numb ourselves. Help us to tr trust that by doing the work, it keeps our heart alive. I thank you that you trust us with this process and you trust us with ourselves and you are ever present on our journey. 
Holy Spirit, I invite you this morning as we enter into a time of worship, we enter in with deep gratitude to you. We are where we are because of you. No matter where anybody is this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask that you open their eyes to see and their heart to hear your words, your individual message to them today. And we say that you are worthy. You are good and you show up in the midst of our pain and you transform it like only you can. There are many gods and many kings, but there is only one you. You are king of kings and you are lord of lords. We invite you this morning in our gratitude and just say worthy. Amen.